What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome into the Roxpile Rockies Report. I'm Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Roxpile, and I'm joined by Kevin Henry, my friend and fellow co-expert, who's out in Scottsdale with the Rockies in spring training. Kevin, how are you? Noah, doing well. It is a beautiful night here in Scottsdale, Arizona, so uh, spring training is underway. Life is good, my friend. And like I said on our last podcast, which was an abbreviated one, which yes. we didn't have a full episode of the podcast because life happens. Naturally, both of us were the biz- even before the news broke out. I think that was the busiest week you and I have had in the entire lockout. And of course, the lockout breaks. Yeah. Hey, I'm not complaining, but I'm like, it's great timing. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, so it was a very abbreviated podcast, but still, it was good that baseball was back. And, you know, being, being here in Arizona, uh, as the guys are starting to filter in, uh, you know, there's still some guys left who haven't reported, mostly guys who are uh, coming in from overseas, uh, Ramel Tapia, uh, Elias Diaz, some of the others. Uh, but it's, it's good to be back in the clubhouse. It's good to be back inside the manager's office. Uh, you know, and that's the first time since, well, almost two years ago now that we've actually been allowed back inside the whole Rockies facility. Uh, so it's today's today has been good. This week has been good. And I have to say, and I, this is the second podcast in a row, at least that I've said that I'm wrong. The Rockies have made some signings they have. and one of them. I'm not. Well, one of them is a minor league deal. We'll talk about that here in a second. One of them is a deal that, I don't think is going to be a very good one, but again, prove me wrong. Please do. Um, Another one I think is a very good one. And another one that came out today, I think is kind of an under the radar one that at first, uh, in fact, I was texting you. I was like, Oh, eh. and then I looked at the numbers and I'm like, for example, Nathaniel sunshine, of course, um, writes for us. 
he had a tweet looking at some of the different numbers and he Chad cool could pitch really well at Coors field. He could, you know, and it was interesting because in the article that I wrote for rocks pile, I talked about how that he has had a home run problem uh, in, in recent times. And it was something that bit him last year. He's a guy that had a real interesting season last year. Uh, developed COVID-19, missed some time. When he came back, he was no longer a starter with the Pirates, but turned into a reliever with the Pirates. Uh, so I don't see that continuing now he's with the Rockies. I think you're looking at a fifth starter, but I also think you may be looking at that long reliever role as well, potentially, uh, for Cool. So I, I'm going to be real curious. But, yeah, props to Nathaniel Sunshine because I got to be honest, I wasn't really looking at him in the Herman Marquez light in any way, shape, or form until I saw his tweets. And I think with Cool, he could be a pitcher who essentially fits the Chichi Gonzalez mold, yep, but has a little bit higher upside. Not a little bit, a, a much higher upside. Um, I mean, in the majors, he spent... Uh, cool spent parts of five seasons in the majors. Um, you could argue that 2020 was his best year because that was the season that he's had the lowest ER. Uh, he's had the best ERA plus, but if you look at the peripheral stuff, he had a high walk rate. Yep. Um, some other things with that were a little bit suspect. Um, otherwise, mind you, he did not pitch in 2019 either. Um, so, if you look at his, his really his best season was probably his full season, and that was 2017. He made 31 starts for the Pirates, eight and 11 with a 4.35, 98 ERA plus, 4.24 FIP. Um, the hit rate was a little bit high, 9.1 per nine innings. Uh, walked four and struck out eight per nine innings. Um, so, is he? Is he going to be that ace-like guy like Herman uh, Marquez? No, but at least for now, and we, how many times have we said this this offseason? The Rockies need bridge pieces, right. and he's a bridge piece because at least of what it seems like, Peter Lambert is not going to be ready for opening day considering that he's trying to – he's coming off the Tommy John surgery. He's healthy, but – getting ramped up in a three week period yeah. just after Tommy John surgery is something where the Rockies, maybe if they even do use him as a starter, it could be like the very end of last season where he'll go three innings and then it'll essentially be a bullpen game, at least to start out. Um, now th this is totally my opinion. I'd love to get your opinion on this. Sure. The signing of Chad cool means, at least for now, the Rockies are not too thrilled with Ryan Rollison and his prospects of at least starting the season in the major leagues. They think that at bare minimum, he needs, as Thomas Harding would say, more seasoning at the AAA level. I, th I think that's a fair assessment, and I don't know that it's, they're not thrilled with him as much as we know Bud Black. And we know his affinity for those guys who have been there and done that. Uh, 
Yes. And I think I think Rollison still has some things to prove. And I think that some, as you said, some seasoning, which is a great way to put it, at the AAA level is probably necessitated here. And and I think you you hit it a minute ago, is that there's not a guarantee that Peter Lambert's going to be ready for opening day. There's not a guarantee that you're going to be able to ramp him up to where he needs to be. A Bud Block talked about that earlier today in our media session about that the starting pitching is the biggest concern and ramping them back up in a shorter amount of time now. So to have a tie block, to have a Chad Cool, to have some guys that can help with that as that veteran guy to maybe bring in as a fifth starter to at least start the season and then see where things go in April. Uh, I think you're spot on with that. I absolutely do. I don't think that this was a backup plan. I think this was a the plan for for that fifth starter. And furthermore, especially with the start of the season coming so quickly in comparison to usual um, with the lack of spring training and really even in general. The Rockies know this, but they haven't quite addressed it. You have to have more depth. There's a reason why they went down to Ryan Feltner at Hartford in September. They didn't like any other AAA guys. I mean, whether they'll admit that to you or not is a different question, but it wasn't like Ryan Feltner was on the 40-man roster. They completely bypassed all five of their guys at the AAA level. That yeah. tells you all you need to know right there of what they think of their depth. So they have to, especially now with the lack of spring training, but even in a regular season, how many times have we seen where, okay, this team has a great starting pitching staff, but, oh, ace, two, three, four, they're out. So now your fifth guy is uh, – I. I've used this example before Cleveland media market with uh, the then named Indians. Okay. You have Bieber, Bauer, Clevenger, Kluber, but Bieber, Bauer, Kluber are out or Bieber, Clevenger, Kluber are out. Okay. So you have one of those four and then you have triple a guys and Cleveland wonders why they weren't contending last year because now they don't have all those guys with the team, but okay, you had uh, you had Bieber on the injured list. You had Plezak, Savali, and you had two or three others. Like okay, you have a Triple A pitching staff right now. Yeah, that's why you aren't contending. <laughs> well, and I think it's really important that to look at how this roster is constructed right now, especially with the rotation. There are four guys leading the rotation that Bud has faith in. Okay. The fifth is a big question mark. I do think that Bud has faith in Peter Lambert more than Ryan Rollison, but yeah. he has that because he's seen him more. Yeah. And and Peter has had that big league experience. So I, I don't think that this is a damnation by any stretch of Rollison or what's to come, but I think it's, it's a very good insurance policy to make sure that even though, yes, the Rockies desperately need pitching, 
that they also don't rush a guy into it and have him get hammered. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem that I had with Ryan Feltner and not having the depth last year. Okay. Gray Gomber. You have all these, you have multiple guys on the injured list and the Rockies were at the point is if they had more than two guys on the injured list, you're going down to double a, that's an, that's a big problem. Agreed. And I think that, you know, cool, cool is going to be a, a decent signing. I think I, it's not one that's going to turn anybody's heads. Uh, it's not one that everybody in the league took attention to like, uh, you know, Matt Olson getting traded to the Braves. Yeah. But, but it's for the Rockies and for what they need. And as you've said, and, and I agree completely, this bridge type of season uh, that is going to be an Iglesias at shortstop. You know, I completely agree with that. And on the other side of the break, we can talk about some of the other signings the Rockies had, including Jose Iglesias. Um, But I will preface it by saying he's a guy that, depending on what numbers you look at, you're like, okay, he could be really good. And then some of the other numbers, you're like, holy crap, what do the Rockies get themselves into? (laughs) Yeah. and, And I think that there's a wide range that he could bring on both sides of that spectrum to the Rockies. And you're right. That's, that's definitely something we'll tackle after the break. Yeah. So we will talk about that and the other signings on the other side of this break. Back here on the Rocks file Rockies report, Noah Yingling and Kevin Henry here with you. And before the break, we were talking about Jose Iglesias, the Rockies signed him. And as I wrote about on rocks pile, if it wasn't closed already, the signing of him, means Trevor story is not coming back. Um, and that's something that Rockies fans, whether they accept it now or they accept it in a few days, week, whenever Trevor story signs, um, when, wherever he signs, um, they will have to come to grips with. And Jose Iglesias is, I, there's really no other way to put it. He's a downgrade in every single aspect compared to Trevor story. Now I, I do want to bring this up. I found this very interesting because when he signed, we were texting like, okay, there's X person or outlet saying this, there's, there's these numbers. And then there's like, okay, I looked at the numbers, especially defensively. A lot of people were saying, okay, he's this great defender. Okay, bad, not great, but he's a great defender. And I look at the numbers and I I flat out said, quote, what the hell are you guys looking at? I I think it's I I think it depends on this. You know, there are a lot of statistics out there and it depends on which statistical range you use. Yeah. And that was that was part of the thing of the numbers I was looking at at first. I looked immediately at defensive run saved. And he was by far the worst defensive player in all of baseball last year. Not even, not even close. Negative 22 defensive runs safe. For comparison, for those of you that saw Ryan McMahon, he had positive 22 defensive runs safe. So as good as Ryan McMahon was, Jose Iglesias was bad <laughs> by defensive runs safe. And then you look at Trevor Story in that, and he had nine defensive runs safe. So at least in that stat, Story is obviously the clear winner. 
no no other player in the sport had fewer uh, had a defensive run saved of negative 13 uh, that was that was number 2 Iglesias was was negative 22 that's how bad it was in that stat but you look at outs above average for example on statcast that's a number especially for infielders is a bit wonky it's a brand new stat for infielders it was just created in 2020 for infielders before it was just for outfielders. And that essentially measures your range. He was league average there. Zero outs above average. Trevor story. I want to say was negative seven outs above average. So that's was saying that his range was lower. And then you look at, for example, Iglesias's UZR, which is his ultimate zone rating, which is also a, uh, range factor and he was slightly below league average and then you look at his past and you see defensive runs saved in general like i said it was negative 22 in 2021 in 2020 it was negative two granted short in season 2019 it was five 2018 it was zero 2017 it was negative five 2016 it was 10 so he's been all over the place yeah and, and I think that's the thing that if you're really trying to dive into what kind of player is he going to be for the Rockies, I don't think we know the answer to that question. I really don't. I, I think you look at last year, who he was with two different teams, and it was a completely different player between the Angels and the Red Sox. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not sure what the Rockies are going to get, but I can tell you, you know, speaking today with Bud Black, He's high on who the guy is. In fact, he said in his press conference today that when Iglesias first came into the major leagues, he looked at him as one of those shortstops who had, and I'm using the air quotes here, it. Yeah. Now, now it being something that Ozzie Smith had, it being something that very few shortstops have, but just that how Bud described it, you could look at him and get that he was a guy who on defense was had it. And, you know, somebody was asking earlier today, does Tovar have it? You know, cause of course Tovar is that guy that the Rockies are bridging towards supposedly. If you look at how things are moving, you know, and Bud said, let's pump the brakes a little too early to find out that. But Iglesias was a guy that he did mention as one of those guys who he thought really was, carried that defense along with him when he first came to the major leagues. That's been some time ago. And the thing is, and this boil boils down to a point you made and I, and it's, it's, it's the truth. You look one of the guys that Bud Black mentioned that had it defensively is Omar Vizquel. Yes. And that's... Bud Black saw Omar Vizquel up in personal because he was teammates with him. Yep. And he was, uh, both were in the Cleveland organization in the late 90s. And mind you, who was the assistant GM for that Cleveland team? Dan O'Dowd. Who is the national cross-checker on that team? A guy by the name of Bill Schmidt. Um, but if you look at the team, oh, by the way, the, the bench coach for the 95 Indians, if you remember, is none other than Buddy Bell. There you go. Um but if you look at Omar Vizquel, and this is the thing with the metrics in general, defensive run saved only started in 2003. 
and it says that okay, his age uh, that started his age thirty six season. You're like, okay, he's a decent defender up until like two thousand nine, and then he falls off a cliff. You look at total zone runs, which is the predecessor, but it's still calculated today. It says that Omar Vizquel was one of the best shortstops of all time. Look at Jose Iglesias with total zone runs, which, like I said, it's still calculated. It's not quite as it's not regarded as quite as accurate as uh, defensive runs saved. But in 2021, as we mentioned, defensive runs saved negative 22. Yep. In 2021, with the total zone runs, it was negative three. That you can deal with a lot better than negative 22. But that gets to the point. Okay, you have all these numbers. What about the eye test? Right. I mean, there's someone to me. Now, again, this is looking at the numbers. I did not watch every single game that Jose Iglesias has played in 2021 or prior to that. I watched some, but definitely not all of them. He reminds me a lot of Rymel Tapia statistically because there are so many numbers with Rymel Tapia where defensively he hadn't, he, he was really high in defensive run saved last year. The eye test, me watching every single Rockies game, you watching every single Rockies game, we both have said he wasn't that good defensively. You look in the past and he's okay. He's average to slightly below average. Nine defensive runs save. Really? I, I didn't see it, but right. that's what the numbers say. But we can say like with Ryan McMahon, there's people, Oh, no, Nolan Arenado's best defender in the league case closed. He gets the gold glove. And we see Ryan McMahon every day. And we're like, what are you seeing? Because Ryan McMahon, at least in my eyes, especially because he was playing two positions, is a better defender than Nolan Arenado. Sorry, I just swore here on the podcast saying his yeah. name. How many times has that happened? Um, <laughs> so um, I'm like, okay, I'm watching all the games and I see this. The numbers actually back it up with McMahon too. But like, it's, it's so hard to decipher, especially defensively. Like, yeah. okay, what am I looking at? And it depends on what you're looking at. Are you looking at charging forward? Are you looking at how he goes back? How he ranges right. to his left? How he ranges to his right? How he jumps? How does he feel the uh, little chopper in front of him that's hit at 40 miles an hour? Or does he have enough reaction time to throw the glove in front of his face on a 110 mile an hour liner that's going to kill him if he doesn't throw his glove in front of him? That's the thing. What are you looking at? So what I'm going to be looking at, and one thing I hope to ask Rymac before I get out of here, is that there was a comfort level for him with Trevor Story at shortstop. Yeah. Both, both as a friend and as a teammate. That comfort level is now gone. Yeah. So how does that impact Mac's defensive thought process? You know, and, and you know, that may not be something that he really tips his hand about. But I would think that suddenly you're not, are you as comfortable going to your left, you know, or do you feel like you need to go more to your left now if story's not there? You know, I, I'm really curious to see how that will impact the the feel in the infield, at least to start the season. Yeah. And offensively, I, this there's really no debate on this, especially in the power numbers. 
Jose Iglesias is not Trevor Story. No. There's a reason why the Rockies signed him to a one-year deal for $5 million. And it's because he's not as expensive as Trevor Story. Um, so that that's going to be the thing looking into 2022 is, okay, the Rockies need to improve offensively. Can I mean, this has been a hot topic today, recording this on Monday, um, is will the Rockies be able to get Chris Bryant? Yeah. Or a Kyle Schwarber? It sounds like, at least to me, it sounds like Schwarber is going to go to Toronto, but who knows? Toronto might get Freddie Freeman too, because why not? Um, so the Rockies, if they don't get a big outfield bat, that's a big problem. We've discussed it before, but what if Bryant is in that lineup? And even if he is to me, and we've discussed this off the air, you and I, okay, you're going to give 200 million roughly to Bryant, but you won't give Trevor story 150. You couldn't keep Arenado. Oh, sorry. I, I, I swore again here on the podcast. That's, that's I know. <laughs> real advisory. You know, so, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's it's interesting to me how that Iglesias is a guy that is going to, you know, uh, as Bud said earlier, you can go ahead and pencil him in or pin him in as your opening day shortstop. Yeah, he's. Uh, I believe he said the uh, the thickest lead that you can find. And exactly. So <laughs> so there's no question about that. Yeah. Of course, if you're starting at shortstop, you have to bat in the lineup. That is one of those pesky rules. Yeah. And Iglesias. Hey, at least pitchers don't have to hit anymore. Right. So <laughs> you so you have to slide him down toward the bottom. Yeah. I mean, there's no way that you can't. But, in the same token, why wouldn't the Rockies put him at the top of the lineup? If you look at him in 2021 and you look at him in his career, he's Rymel Toppy as a hitter. Yeah. Ground ball machine. Roughly the same average, roughly the same on base percentage, roughly the same slugging percentage. You have Tapia leading off. Why can't Iglesias hit the top? I what I would say is Ryan Tapia shouldn't be at the top of the lineup, but I'm not the one making the decisions. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's where I'd be really curious. To be honest with you, I really would. You know, what are they going to do with this lineup? Because as it's constructed now. They're going to have to find some offense. Now, again, we're recording this as all the rumors go for, will Chris Bryant come? Will he not? Will they find a big bat? Will they not? Uh, You know, so I'm curious how this lineup is really going to shake out. Even more damning, I think, is, okay, let's say they don't sign somebody. You're going to have Toppy on left some combination of Hilliard Daza and Hampson in center, Charlie and Wright, presumably, um, or DHing. Cronin yep. first, Rogers at second, Iglesias at short, and Mack at third. Who, where do you put in Connor Joe? Is he your DH? Or is he oh, what? I, I think he would probably be mo- most often your DH or Charlie Blackman, but that's the thing. I, the Rockies cannot put him on the bench. No. At I least as they're that. currently constructed. You can't have a lineup that has somebody as a DH and then 
for example, you have Hilliard as your DH, Blackman and right, Hampson in center, and Tapia in left. That's your worst offensive lineup right there. And you, then oh, you yeah. have arguably your third best offensive hitter, arguably your second best offensive hitter in Connor Joe sitting on the bench when you need more offense. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, they have to find the big bat. You know, I, I think that there's been so much made about the power that is lacking from this team and how they have to find something. Uh, you know, and and one thing we haven't talked about on this show is uh, Scott Shebler, yeah, uh, getting signed to a minor league deal. I had a chance to talk to him, and that's on rockspile.com. You can check out my interview with him. Uh, you know, he is a guy who has had power in the past, and I in don't the past. in the past. And and yeah. I want to make clear because you and I have texted. I don't think they have signed him as the backup big bat. I don't think that. However, if everything does not fall the Rockies' way, don't be surprised if that's the spin that is put on it. Yeah. And you want to guess the last? You want to guess how many games he's played in the last three years? Well, I know the answer because I, I, I wrote that in my article. Yeah, forty-five. Yeah. And he has an OPS plus in that span of seventeen. Yep. That's a problem. <laughs> Now, well, if if he has seventeen eighteen, he played in uh, in two hundred and forty eight games, had forty seven homers, uh, one hundred and sixteen RBI, OPS plus one hundred four. Okay, you can deal with that. Yeah, and but twenty eighteen was four years ago. Now it was, and it was also. You know, if you, if you read the article, you talk to Shebler. The dude's been through a lot injury-wise during that yeah. time. This is a guy who was not fully healed in 2019 from a shoulder injury whenever he got the opening day start in center field, struggled mightily out of the gate. I mean, uh, if I remember right, it was about a 122 batting average. Close, 123. There you go. <laughs> Before they sent him uh, down, and eventually he had the shoulder surgery and ended his season. You know, then had one game with Atlanta during the 2020 season. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a lot that has happened to this guy. But I can tell you, talking to him, he believes he's healthy. He believes in fresh starts. You know, he's saying all the right things. And and who knows? You know, he could be, he could be a guy that could bring some power. He could be a guy, dare I say, like Taylor Motter, that has power in him. And then he gets up to the majors and, and struggles again. We don't know. Yeah. Same thing happened with Matt Adams, as we yep. both know. Yep. Um, but especially with a roster probably being a 28 or 29-man roster to start the season, I would be stunned at this point if he's not on the bench. As, oh, I would too. And, and again, veteran. Yeah. Veteran who has a few seasons where he's proven himself. Yep. Speaking of veterans, um, I, of course, I heard, as we've alluded to by now, of what Bud Black has said. Um, one guy we have not mentioned so far, and this is the move I like the most of the four. Yeah. And it's Alex Colomay. Yeah. But we'll get to why I like Alex Colomay, why I think he'll be the Rockies closer here on the other side of the break. 
back here on the Rocks by Rockies Report. Noah Yingling, Kevin Hinder here with you. And before the break, I was talking about how I think that Alex Colome will be the Rockies' closer, despite kind of what manager Bud Black has said so far. Bud, of course, does not like to be, uh, I guess, pigeonholed would be the best word. That's a great um, report. Yep. Into saying, day one, when I meet with the media, I'm going to, okay, here's my starting lineup, and yep. here's my team. Um, I will say it, Bud Black has not said this. Alex Colome is going to be their closer. And if he's not, he should be their closer. Had 17 saves for the Twins in 2021. Had 12 of the 13 saves that the entire White Sox team had in 2020. He had 30 saves for the White Sox in 2019. Had 12 saves between Tampa Bay and Seattle in 2018 led the major leagues in saves in 2017 with 47, had 37 saves in 2016. Since 2016, with the exception of 2021, he has not had a season with an ERA north of 3.24. 2021, it was 4.15. So is that a problem? Yeah. You look at some of the numbers, especially towards the end of the season where he was removed out of the closer role. Um, actually, I should say towards the um, more towards the beginning of the season, I should say, because later in the season, he was actually put in the closers role. Um, it was much like the Rockies bullpen where yeah. the first two, three months of the year, you look at his stats and you're like, yikes. And then you look after and you're like, Oh, okay. That's the Rockies can June 25th to the end of the season for column A. He had 38 appearances. He had a 329 ERA, 338 FIP, and he had 15 of his 17 saves. The Rockies need that. And the Rockies need the depth in the bullpen. They need somebody who can close. They needed somebody who is a ground ball pitcher, and he is that. He had a ground ball rate of 53 some odd percent. In 2021, since 2019, it's over 50%, which was both of which in 2021 and since 2019 are 31st in the majors among relievers. The Rockies in 2021, their highest reliever in ground ball rate. I don't know if you read the article, so I'll ask you. Do you know who the Rockies ground ball, but, but ground ball percentage leader was? In 2021, minimum of 40 innings pitched. George Sheffield. Incorrect, because he didn't ah. have 40 innings pitched. Ah. <laughs> yeah. The caveat. What? Who? Lucas Gilbreth, the Colorado oh, native. I should always go with Lucas Gilbreth as the first answer. I should always do that. And I mean, as we discussed in the predictions article with them, and we, we've discussed other times, Lucas Gilbreth, I mean, really... Second half of the season, especially, but after his first five outings, he was the Rockies' best reliever in 2021, which you have to laugh about it because, okay, more power to him. But talk about a guy that came out of nowhere. Absolutely. He was in 2020, he didn't pitch, no minor league season. 2021, he was a starting pitcher at advanced A ball. (laughs) I mean, then he shows up. And 
In his final 42 appearances, he had a 2.41 ERA. He had a .96 ERA after the All-Star break. And still, though, with him, his ground ball rate was 45.9%. And that was 71st among relievers in 2021. Now, he did really well at Coors Field. He had a sub-2.5 ERA there. Yeah, that's true. But being from Colorado helps. A little bit higher ground ball rate helps. And then you see guys like, for example, Yancy Almonte. It's not the be-all, end-all, because Yancy Almonte, he had a high ground ball rate. Yep. He did have some bad luck, but 7 ERA is not going to cut it. Now, of course, he's going to be Goose Gossage with the Dodgers because he signed with the Dodgers. Exactly. But Bud Black likes to say that's baseball. So um, it's not the be-all, end-all, but it's a good barometer of, okay, is this guy going to pitch well in Coors Field? Because you look at the starting pitchers. Marquez, Gray, Senzatella. Since 2019, all three of them were in the top 20 of ground ball rates from starting pitchers. Yeah. And which three pitchers pitch best at Coors Field? Those exactly. three. Exactly. No, it, it makes sense. And and that was one of the first things I know you and I talked about whenever the signing was announced is that this is a guy who throws ground balls. Yeah. And that's an important thing. And it's also a guy, and I forget which of our friends of Purple Row pointed this out, He's a brings a different skill set, pitch set, than Bard and Estevez as well. So if you're really, I don't know if it was him or not, but it was uh, now they think about it. It was probably Justin Wick because he's the, he's the pitching guru with the, with the advanced stats. Well, and, and, you know, if you can have, and again, Bud's not a real big, you're the seventh, you're the eighth, you're the ninth guy because he's always about it's going to take everybody. Yeah. But if you've got, yeah, but if you've got those three guys coming in, all different, all clicking, which they won't always will be, but when they are, in theory, that could be formidable. Yeah. And that's the thing with the uh, Bard is going to be a middle reliever. He's not going to be a setup man, and he's not going to be a closer unless he proves himself to be the 2020 Bard that he was, essentially. Um, Carlos Estevez, I... You look at the numbers, and it, in fact, I I did it for the prediction article a few weeks ago. I was like, what an odd season. And some of the stuff I didn't even realize, like, okay, down the stretch, I knew he got better. Really, all the Rockies relievers got better. And like, okay, he had, I got three and a half ERA, roughly, a little bit under that. Um, and you look then at batters facing him, and they were just teeing off on him. So, like, yeah. how did you have an ERA of three and a third, three and a half, when you're just getting pounded around the ballpark? <laughs> Part of it was he had bad luck. If you look at Babbitt, batting average on balls in play, batters were hitting over 400 on balls in play. The league average is 300. So yeah. part of it was bad luck. But I'm like, still, okay. In fact, I, I've got the numbers up right now. And batters hit 324 off of him in the final two months of the season with a 373 on base percentage. Yet he had an ERA of 320. Wow. I, I, it's mind boggling. 
you, you wow. had a, your ERA was lower than your opponent's batting average. <laughs> it's like what? Sorry, man. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I say lower than a batting average if if you move the decimal place, but still, sure, it's like they hit three twenty four off of you, and you had a three twenty ERA. That's like that's pretty wow. good, honestly. You know, and, and Carlos is a guy, of course, that's been around for a while. He's he's been in and out of the closer position. You know, I still think he's going to get some chances. Yeah, I I, I agree that. I mean, uh, even when Bard was pitching well, he they're. There's going to be some nights with Colum A, if he, assuming he's the closer. Oh, he's pitched three absolutely. out of the last four nights, so we're going to Carlos for the save. Yep, absolutely. So it, uh, it takes the village, as they say. It, it does, and and obviously, you know, as Bud said today, he's not worried about the relievers getting ready. He's not worried about starting pitchers or starting. Uh, position players getting ready. He is worried about a little bit about the rotation, like we talked about before the break. But I think right now, at least pitching wise, and we'll hear more about Chad Cool probably tomorrow, uh, again Tuesday, since that had been announced after we had our discussion with Bud today. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to get his take on Cool and what he's going to mean and, and bring and what that means for that fifth starter. Uh, as well, like we talked about. Yeah. A lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. And, you know. Maybe uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully some more. I, and exactly. And I was just going to say, and I don't think that we're done adding parts. I really don't. Uh, I think that there's going to be some more moves made. Uh, even if, for some reason, a Bryant would fall through, uh, I still think they're going to add somewhere somehow. They have to. Yeah. I, I think they have to. So. Oh, you're going to get fans butts in the seats when they're facing. We'll use the example. They aren't facing them then, but how are you going to get fans butts in the seats when they're facing Pittsburgh in June? Right. Chris Bryant would. You know, and I think that if you really look at it, take a step back and, and, you know, I know we're, we're coming up on time here, but if you look at it as a heart of the order that may have Mac Blackman, uh, Bryant, Crone. It's not a bad four right there. And then yeah. Rogers in there somewhere as well. And, you know, depending on what they do with Hilliard, what they do with Joe, you know, all that stuff. I mean, there, there's a lot of interesting ways that this could go, but I think you're starting to see a core come together, especially if Bryant uh, is added in. Yeah. Or even a Schwarber, Castellanos. Yeah. They, yeah. they have to get somebody. I mean, they do. there's no two ways about it. They do. And the way, you know, as Bud said today, everything's moving fast. And he's exactly right. It has been a frenzy. So, uh, and that's the good thing is that you and I are also covering that over at calltothepin.com. So make yeah. sure to check that out if you're looking for something outside of the Rockies, more major league general. Uh, Noah and I are both over at calltothepin.com. And, and then David Hill's writing like an absolute maniac. Has oh my gosh, he is. <laughs> Thank you for so that's all I know. Thank goodness for that. So, as, you, uh, as we both know in Slack with him, it's just like, oh, David. Wow. <laughs> oh, David. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, have to shake your head and say, that's David. That's David. <laughs> well, we've got, uh, we'll have some videos uh, tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, from spring training. Uh, then we will be back in Colorado uh, getting ready for the season to come. And uh, it's going to be 
an interesting uh, few days ahead, Noah. Looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out. So it'll be the next time it should be the third straight podcast where you will be in a different destination because it's true. I mean, where in the world is Kevin Henry? That's the game well, we're always we playing. If, if a big signing happens, we may have to do an emergency pod, a quick one. We'll see. So, yeah. yeah. We shall see, my friend. But, uh, yeah, please check us out, rockspile.com, as always, and as we have done for months and months now. Every day, fresh content up there. And uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at rockspilefs. Call to the pen.com. Make sure you're checking that out as well. Noah, any final thoughts before we wrap it up, man? Hopefully, we will be able to hear, like you said, more tomorrow on what the Rockies will do. But also, hopefully, well, not hopefully, and I know you do, but um, make sure you check out uh, the site for exclusives Kevin's going to have from Scottsdale. And we'll have some exclusives, of course, throughout the season, um, whether it be at Coors Field, on the road, which... I plan on going on the road. I know you're always on the road, so that that's already implied. Um, but we will have plenty of stuff throughout the season on the site, even if the Rockies don't get a big bat. Yep, we absolutely will. And you know what? Big bat or not, this starter controversy, whatever you want to throw out there, we're still going to say, go Rockies. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.